0: Thank you for joining us uh, this Sunday morning. I'm delighted you're here with us. This is the penultimate, that means second to last, Revelation sermon in our series that began way back in September. And so, I invite you to open your Bible. The uh, text will be on, on our screen, but I ask you to open your Bible to Revelation, the last book uh, in the Bible. If you learn only one thing from this series, it's not called Revelations. We're not making reservations It's the book of Revelation of Jesus Christ, chapter 22, verses 1 to 5. Hear now God's word. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, brightest crystal glowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Through the middle of the street of the city also, on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and the servants will worship him. And they will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. And night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Amen. Amen to that. Would you join me in prayer? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for giving us chapters 21 and 22. You've shown us, God, the the end of your story and that we're part of it. Lord God, that we will be changed into holy immortals with direct, unhindered access to you, O God, in fellowship, in life, in wonder upon wonders, in communion with you for eternity, O God. We'll be forever changed, fully human, fully fulfilling the design that you've designed into us, and God, you even say that, that we will reign with you. We'll serve that, that priestly role that you've called us to as your servants, as your adopted ones, yes, even as your friends. It's a privilege, Lord God, to open your word, to get a glimpse of what's to come. And I pray, Lord, that, that you would have a word for us this morning that even as we've been blessed in singing praise to you, as we've been encouraged by 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 prayer being lifted up to you, God, today this this time now, help to open our eyes that we would see where we're headed. The options that we have ahead of us, God, are 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 unlimited in so many ways in our world, and yet so small in other ways. Oh God, that we think of of everything ahead of us, Lord, we don't know what the future will bring, but we know that you hold the future. So God, I pray that. That we would make some choices today today, uh, with this sermon, Lord God, that you would challenge us to move closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One of the main themes in the book of Revelation is that there is more going on in reality than, than meets the unaided eye. And what Revelation reveals is that God is making things. He's making things. Well, what's He making? Well, it says in, the Lord says from the throne, this is chapter 21, verse 5, behold, I am making all things new. Now, Now, he didn't say, I will make things, like at a future date, like save the day, I'll eventually make something. He says, I am making, like right now, in the present, I'm doing it, even now. And what's God making? What is the Lord God, the Almighty, making? Check it out. God says from his throne, I am making all things new. Notice he doesn't say, I will make all new things. He's not saying he's going to toss out everything and start from scratch and just you know waste everything out and, and start again. You're listening to me. I want you to hear this. He says, I'm making all things new. The, the plan here, according to the text, is Total restoration. And lo and behold, when we see the end of the story. The beginning, it was a garden. And where do we end up? In a holy garden city. That's what God's making. That's what God's preparing. That's where God is taking us. It's known as the new Jerusalem. And that's what we see here in this text. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 to to 10, it says, By faith Abraham obeyed God. He left everything he knew. He left his home and his country, and he and his wife set off on a journey towards a promised land. And you know what he was looking for? The book of Hebrews says this, quote, He was looking forward to a city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God all the way from the very beginning. This is what all men and women who've been seeking after God have longed for. A place to be with God. But no longer just a garden, but a city. And this is it. This is the big reveal. Joe looked at chapter 21, all of chapter 21. What an amazing job he did of covering that whole chapter. We're just looking at the the final verses here of Chapter 22, I say the final verses because after this will be the epilogue, the the end of the story. Here we see all what God is making. A city with incredible features. I want you to consider the things that will be in that city and the things that won't be there. Let's start with the things that that won't be in the city. It's a city with no chaos, no tears, no death, no pain, None of the characteristics or bad behavior that is inconsistent with the kingdom of Jesus. There's no temple. I think, where are people going to go to church? No need. The whole place is a sanctuary. Now, get this one. There's no moon or sun. The forecast is always the same because the Lord God, the Almighty, illuminates the city. It's lit up all the time with perfect weather. The gates are never closed. They stand wide open. Everyone is safe and secure. Think about what we've been seeing on TV, the, the, the degree to which people are, are taking to clean their cities, right, to, to rid ourselves of the virus and scrubbing down everything and scrubbing down uh, subway cars and, and just lice sawing everything and, and fogging everything. And still there's that fear of a virus. This is a city, a garden city, a holy garden city that will be pristine. It's a city, it says, with no crime, no virus. And look at verse 3, no curse. Chapter 22, verse 3 says, No longer will there be anything accursed. Blessings will flow from the throne of God. And there'll be no more curse. Can you picture that? All of that will be out of this Holy Garden City. But what's going to be in it? I mean, I think you think you say, hey, I want to move to Seattle for the great weather. What, why do you move to Seattle area? Well, we, great weather. If you're coming from the East Coast or from, from Texas, you're moving here for no humidity. Cool, cool worship. What's going to be in that city? The number one thing, God's going to be there. He's going to fill the city with his glory. That's the image that we looked at last week. That image of, of gems and jewels, they symbolize the, the glory of God. They, they just radiate the brilliance of God like a sparkling diamond. And there's a little bit of a shout-out, a little callback to the, the breastplate, the the, the that the high priest would wear that would have these very same jewels and And emeralds that would represent the tabernacle. And the tabernacle representing the temple. And the temple and tabernacle made by human human hands representing the very place that God wants to be able to be with us. That's right here in this city. God's very presence. And the throne of God will be there. There will be tangible stuff, like real things that you can pick up and touch a city with streets and fruit trees and living water, and it will be filled with people and culture. Thank you, ladies, for bringing some culture here. The strings, just a different, uh, just a different kind of worship, right? And then we have, but then we have drums. And another time, we'll have a different kind of music. Imagine all forms of worship and all kinds of art and all kinds of expression of movement and paint and all of it being filled into the city, all of it for the purpose of bringing glory to God, that's gonna be in that city. Your dance card's gonna be full all the time with fantastic opportunities to worship God. I want you to check out Ezekiel chapter 47, the book of Ezekiel chapter 47 for a parallel here. Ezekiel has a insight into this same vision that hundreds and hundreds of years later, John has. Let's talk about the fruit. Fruit year round, it says, and leaves for healing of the nations. What's going on here? Well, remember when we're studying Revelation, we always start with the symbolic meaning. What, what's the symbol mean? What's the figurative meaning instead of a literal meaning? I mean, literally, I love fruit. I would love. So you know get that Harry and David fruit of the month. Doesn't that sound great? Does anyone get that? Anyone? Anyone there at home? Fruit of the month. That's not what we're talking about here. Well, first, for starters, there's no months in heaven because there's no moon, so there's no lunar months. There's no sun, so there's, there's no, no way to pollinate all the fruit trees. And We're not talking about vera leaves, although those are great for antioxidants and cleaning your skin and things like that. That's not what we're talking about. What's the symbolic meaning behind here? John is highlighting symbolically the fullness of the restoration of God. The number 12 is a complete number. So what what he's seeing here is the fullness, the complete, utterly packed out benefits of being restored to true humanity. The healing of the nations. People coming from different tribes in different places, meeting together and having something so greater in common than what once divided them long, long ago. That's what he sees here. Imagine John writing this vision and sending it to those seven churches in Asia Minor, suffering for Jesus. And here he provides them this letter this apocalyptic message from heaven that says, hold on to hope. Don't lose faith. Don't give in. Don't buy the lie. Don't believe the hype of Caesar or Rome. Stick to your guns. Hold to your faith. These light and momentary troubles, as Peter would write to the church, will be nothing compared to the glory in store for you. That's what John's saying here. What an incredible thing to consider this city compared to Babylon. John's just lifting these two places up. Where would you rather be? Where would, your, where would your hope be in? Being in a place like Babylon that's destructive and ruinous and would tear you down and take everything from you, does that weigh more than the utter weight of glory, of being in God's presence. That's what he's offering here. You see, the end of the book of Revelation takes us all the way back to the book of Genesis, all the way to the beginning of God's story that he wrote long ago. The tree of life was blocked from Adam and Eve. What happened when Adam and Eve? They did the one thing they weren't supposed to do. What did they do, folks? They ate from the wrong tree. Which tree was it? the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It was the one thing they weren't supposed to touch. And yet they did. And why? Well, we know that they were tricked into doing it a little bit. But really, when you consider what Eve and Adam did, is they wanted to be able to have that knowledge, to be able to live independently of God. The consequence of that, of their eyes being opened, being realized that they could make their own choices that would lead them far, far from God. God sent them out of the garden and would not allow them to draw near the tree of life. It says in in Genesis, lest they live forever. And so angels were sent there to to ban them, that they couldn't be there. And now here in this city, this awesome reality, the tree of life is there for them. And their descendants and for you if you accept jesus by faith look at verse four this is the most awesome of all realities the face of god will be there in exodus chapter 33 moses said to, to god he said i just want one thing now moses was the man who had everything he had everything this world could offer a person but something was missing the one thing he wanted more than anything, the greatest human need, every love song, every expression of desire, ultimately behind all of it is a desire for this. It's deep, deep code in our DNA. And that's to see the face of our creator. And God said, no, no. Moses, you wouldn't survive if you saw me. And so the Lord God led him into A little cleft in the rock, put his hand over it, and says, The Lord passed by so that Moses might just get a glimpse without being blown away. And so, the greatest blessing in the next life is that the servants of God, called to worship and serve and to reign, we will see the face of God. And, And this is the blessing that we sing on Sundays. We'll sing it later this morning. It's a blessing so often offered at the end of a worship service, that the Lord would bless you and keep you, make his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you, that he'd lift up his countenances, really saying the same thing over again, each way, another way of saying that we would see God. What a glorious day that would be. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what, will we, what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall what? See him as he is. See, John says in that letter, he says here in, in Revelation, God's making something new. That new thing is happening in you and in me. With every life choice you make, every day you get up and you live your life and you think, well, it's just another day. It's actually one more day stepping towards eternity with God. We will be forever changed, John says. And then he writes that his name will be on our foreheads. What are we talking about? Are we talking about a tattoo? Is that where we said press on tattoo? No, we're not taking it literally. We're taking it figuratively. Name, Represents character. It means these people who have been redeemed, who have now been sanctified and fully now are glorified in heaven, have the very character of Jesus stamped on us. You look at someone, imagine if someone had something written on my forehead, like big forehead guy, (laughs) my big forehead. Now everywhere you look, you'll see people that show the character of Jesus. That's what we'll be. We will finally be the full image and likeness of God. What a stunning future to have the very character of God. You think there there might be things about yourself that you don't like or people tell you that they don't like or they put you down. Things about the way you operate, the way you see life, the way you you go about your business. I'm an introvert, introvert, I'm an extrovert. You think those things are things you'd want to change? No, God made you the way you are. But in heaven, you will be the fullest, best version of yourself. You will be the biggest, best introvert ever with all of your gifts. You'll be the most creative person ever with all God's prepared you for. That's what's ahead of us. A full life in step with the Spirit, with no pain or sorrow, only pure love. All because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus was the one resident of heaven to ever walk the earth, but he left it by the way of a cross so that you and I could be led in, so that you could be saved and adopted and sanctified and restored and given citizenship in heaven. How does that make you feel? What what does it draw up inside of you that you'd want to change even now, today, this month, this summer ahead of us to live differently, to draw closer to God? What would you sacrifice for home and country as so many have? Jesus sacrificed himself to bring you to his home to make his country your own. How does that make you feel? And now that we're drawing to the end of our study in the book of Revelation, it's almost over. I'm just curious to hear from you sometime. What do you think now about the book of Revelation? Uh, Some of us that that started this way back in September told me, Pastor P, I'm a little intimidated by the book of Revelation. I've never read it. It's strange. It's weird. It's out there. How do you feel now? Still strange? A little out there? I've studied it for a year and a half. Yeah, it still is. But glorious and wonderful and is more real than real. Here at our church, at Maple Valley Church, if you're uh, new to us, we, we really value helping people, equipping people, taking their next step in their spiritual journey. And so as we're wrapping up this series next week, I just want to ask you this week, and as we're going into the summer months, to consider what will be your next step in your spiritual journey, in your walk. And we have six areas of of growth that we really want to concentrate on as a church. Biblical knowledge, prayer, Sabbath, serving, stewardship, leading and discipleship. What you consider as we go to prayer, as the team comes back up, what would be your next step? What's God working in your life right now? He's making something. He's making things new, not all new things, but he's preparing something, and he's preparing you. You might be facing a circumstance in your life right now that you're not sure where God's leading you, what, what to make of it, But God knows. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Trust in him. Believe this message of hope. And allow it to impact every relationship that you have. Even as Jesus said to the woman at the well, springs of living water would flow and bless all around. May God bless you this morning. Amen.